David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago Sun-Times sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy, because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Last time I checked, I'm not David Spada, so I think that means I'm Elliot Harris, and that means David is out working as a lawyer or whatever he says he does during the day. We have an excellent show today, if I may say so. It's only one guest, but he's worth listening to for the whole show. We've split him up into two parts to simplify it for everybody. Our guest today is Pro Football Hall of Famer, former Florida Gator standout, Jack Youngblood, who played for the Los Angeles Rams. How did you end up at uh, Florida for college? I see you grew up in Florida. Was it where you were going to go from the start, or were there other schools recruiting you? Well, that's a, that's, that's a good story in itself to start with, because uh, I had one and only one opportunity to, to go and play college football. Uh Florida State was 25, 28 miles from my from my back door, and uh, they had they had no interest. In fact, in fact, Bill Parcells was scouting for Florida State at that point in time, and didn't make a stop, and and told my coach that that kid can never will never play college football. <laughs> and so we won the we won the, uh, the the state championship class B in um, in that year, and then we um, I was standing we're, we're cheering and carrying on on the field, you know, and celebrating. And a gentleman grabbed me by the by the elbow, and, and I turned and looked at him, did not know who in the world he was, and he said, how would you like to play football for the University of Florida? I said, let me think about it. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, it didn't take me long to, to figure that one out. One and only one opportunity to go and play. That's hard to imagine. Now in high school you were a linebacker. I was I was I was a center linebacker, and in my senior year, first ball game, I had I think I had forty five yards in holding penalties, something like that in the in the first half. That's the last time I, I touched a football on the offensive side. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a middle linebacker, and then once I got to to, uh, to Gainesville, um, they, uh, they looked at this you know tall six six four. Uh, 200 and 205 pound kid said, "Yeah, he's got some room to grow." And we've uh, we've got an all-American middle linebacker. We just signed Mike Kelly that year, and uh, they said, "Well, let's see if we can make him into a defensive lineman." You were better off going to Florida than Florida State because it seemed like all the Florida State football players at that time became actors. What Burt Reynolds, Robert Urich? Yeah, yeah, a lot of them did, and uh, and we watched all that. And and I was, you know. They were they were in my backyard, so I I, I kind of followed them and knew knew what was going on. I didn't follow Florida, you know, when I was in high school that much. Uh, knew that they had they had a historic program down there, but but the oldest program in the state. But um, you know, I was I was kind of thinking that maybe I would get the opportunity to go, you know, stay at home and and uh, play in Tallahassee. What was the transition like from linebacker to defensive uh, end? 
Well, it 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 it, it hurt my feelings there at first because I had I had uh, I had made up in my mind that I was going to be the next you know the next great middle linebacker for the University of Florida. Um, you know, and, and, and loved to play, loved to control, you know, the the game, uh, throwing signals and all of that. And then, then when you you become one of the one of the big and uglies, you know, you've got to put your hand in the ground and and, and get into the to real mix of it in the in the pit. Uh, I, I walked around with a with a fat lip there for about you know about two or three weeks, but uh, <laughs> I realized I realized that if I was going to if I was going to have the opportunity to play. I needed to uh, to make the most of it. Who was your coach at Florida? Was it Bobby Dodd? No, no. Bobby was at Georgia Tech. Ray Graves was the uh, was my head coach. And then you had Doug Dickey. Right, because Graves had a connection with Bobby Dodd and went from when he was at Georgia Tech. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So you had Ray Graves, then you had Doug Dickey, right? Yeah, I had Doug for one year. My my senior year. after we had uh, in in '69. We'd gone to the, uh, we went to the, to the Gator Bowl and beat Tennessee. And, and then, I mean, in the, in the aftermath of that, somehow Doug became our head coach and, uh, Coach Graves, you know, was just the uh, full-time athletic director at that point. So that was kind of a change. That, that, that somewhat upset, upset the apple cart a little bit, uh, you know, for the football team. I mean, we, we didn't quite understand that because we loved Coach Graves. He was like a, he was like a, Father to us, and I mean, he we really did love him, and then and then Doug came in with a kind of a different philosophy. He was at his um, at, at first he was he was not nearly as uh, personable. Didn't have didn't 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 want seemed like didn't want relationships with the um, with, with the players. Was there a reason he coached that way, or did he ever explain why, or no? I no, I, I've never I've never sat down. I wish I, I wish I would have, uh, and 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 find out. And probably, you know, the answer would have changed over the years. But um, but I I don't know why he he didn't he didn't come in and, and embrace you know the the seniors, especially the seniors um, that, that had you know that, that had you know that were going to be the you know foundation to his football team. And Doug Dickey went on be, to become. Uh, pretty much an iconic figure in Gainesville. Oh, yeah. Had a nice long, nice long career there, revered. He did. Uh, and then he, then he went back to Tennessee. Then he went back to Tennessee as the AD. <laughs> yeah. okay. So in practice, did you get to go up against uh, John Reese and Carlos Alvarez and all all that offensive talent? Yeah, they were, you know, they were they were super soft. Uh, my senior year and um, or junior year, I should say, and um, yeah, we get, we got we got to practice against them, and, and you could see you could see that we had uh, we had some talent there. We had some talent. We had a you know a, a, had a quarterback, had a had a wide receiver, had a running back. They were all sophomores, and they were and some. There was a couple of offensive linemen that were pretty good too. So uh, we could see that we had we had some. Uh, some talent to work with. Then you go to the Rams, and they really had some talent there on defense. You had what Rosie Greer, Merlin Olson, Deacon Jones. I can't forget Deacon. <laughs> well, it's, uh, that, that's another that's another story where I I I think and, and and feel as though there was some divine intervention going on 
you know, you, you, you don't, you don't realize that you're going to be, because, you know, the, the draft back in 1971 wasn't, wasn't, you know, publicized as, as much as, uh, anywhere near what it is today. Um, and I had, I didn't know that I was going to be drafted in the first round. I, I'd been told by, by my, my, uh, my line coach, uh, coach Thompson that, um, you know, maybe I would get an opportunity to go, and you, if you get drafted, it's going to be it's going to be like you know, in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. You know, there was I think there was sixteen or seventeen rounds back then. And um, he said, you know, you 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 you'll probably get an opportunity to go to some you know some uh, some summer camp. <clears throat> Draft day comes around. I'm not expecting I'm not expecting anything. I in fact I had already I had already been. Um, up to Georgia and accepted a job at a bank. I was I was preparing to, to move on after graduation in June to um, you know to the next job. I was I had to had that already figured out. And lo and behold, lo and behold, the um, uh, the teletype's going off, and I and I watch and see the, uh, I see Pastorini and Puckett and and uh, Riggins and and all those boys. Come off the uh, <laughs> off the first, you know, ten or ten or twelve rounds and uh, picks, and I uh, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden the the, uh, the the boys at the at the newspaper said there's a phone call for you, and I said, who in the world is calling me down here? Nobody knows I'm here except the uh, the SID, and he goes he goes it's the uh, it's the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going what? <laughs> so. <laughs> I I pick up the phone and I have I have uh I we've got a series of pictures uh, of that moment where I've got my hand over the receiver and I'm asking oh, who's the coach? <laughs> I had no idea. No idea who the man was that was calling me from from Los Angeles. You know, we 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 just we didn't get to see him that much in Gainesville in in 1970. So he said, "He said, young blood, we're gonna, we're gonna, Tommy Prothero, Tommy Prothero says we're gonna draft you." And I'm thinking to myself, "Thank you, coach. <laughs> Thank you very much." And about that time, at that time, here it comes over the teletype. As I'm talking to Tommy on, on the phone, it comes across the teletype, and it's uh, you know, twentieth <clears throat> round, twentieth round, twentieth pick. Uh, from the University of Florida, Jack Youngblood. I, that the the words over the telephone weren't real. The uh, the teletype, when you see it in print, you go, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> here's a here's a whole other world we're about to step into. Did you wonder if there was another Jack Youngblood playing football who got drafted? Or do you know it was you? <laughs> no, they had. No, they had. They had Florida on there, so I figured, I figured out I figured that, that that was there, there wasn't any other young ones on the, on the University of Florida team that year. Did you realize what you were getting into when you got drafted by the Rams? Did you realize that they had that defensive line that was so dominant? No, I had to, I had to do my homework. I, I I didn't realize what I was stepping into. I didn't know who who was. You know, I, you heard about the fearsome foursome and, and over the last, you know, three or four years. I, I didn't know. And 
I started thinking about it and, and, and doing some reading, and, I, and I'm seeing Deacon Jones, Merlin Olson, uh, you know, Rosie and Rosie and Lamar had had, had already uh, moved on, and Cody Bacon was was there, and then they had a they had, we had two or three different right tackles. But I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm a left defensive end. Who, who's in that position ahead of me? It's Deacon Jones. I'm not gonna make this football team. You know what I'm saying? I, it's, uh, it's yeah. one of those things where this may be a short trip. <laughs> I kept my uh, I kept my contacts with the bank though because uh, <laughs> I didn't I did not know how long this was going to last. And fortunately, I got there and and by the grace of God again, both Merlin and Deacon during training camp put their arm around me and said, "Son." You, you can play. We're going to teach you how to play our style, and they did. And we 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 played. They, I was playing behind Deacon that first year. He got injured. I had to fill those shoes. Not only do I, did I have to fill the shoes of, of Deacon, but I had the responsibility to Merlin. And that, I mean, that even that even made the the case even worse. You know, I've got. I've got I've got two of the the, the best that's ever played the game, and I've got a responsibility to them to play up to that level. Certainly, I didn't play it up to that level, but I but I I, I kind of held my own and, and, and didn't didn't um didn't hurt the football team put it that way. And then uh, the Rams trade away Deacon Jones, and all of a sudden the job's yours. Yeah, yeah, that was the second year. Um, in fact, I can remember we were down here. I'm in I'm in Orlando, and I, I during the off season I had uh, I gathered up my two sisters and mother and the two cousins, and we had a little family trip down to down to uh, Disneyland, and um, we <laughs> we're, we're in the we're in the room one evening right before we go to we're going to to have some some supper and uh, watching the news and the sports come on and they said, you know, Deacon Jones, Los Angeles Rams, been traded to the San Diego Chargers. And, uh, and I'm going, did I just hear that right? <laughs> I, said, I said, whoa, wait a minute here. And now what? So I had to get on the phone for the next couple of days and, and uh, figure out what was going on and, and Certainly enough, that was that was that was my job. Although, although Tommy Profo tried his best not to not to let me be the left defensive end, he tried everything. Uh, for for whatever reason, he just did not like me. Did Deacon Jones ever teach you the head slap, or was it outlawed at that time? No, he taught me the, the head slap. We used it for another four or five years, I think. That's, you know, everybody thinks that's a that's a malicious. You know, act, but it's not because it's it's not it's not intended to hurt anyone. It's in, it's intended to, to turn his head, make his eyes blink so that he can't see you. He he can't he can't react to you at that moment. That's when you when you when you make the move. You, when he's got his head turned, you turned his head or made him blink. So it's kind of like a Three Stooges move where Mo would. 
curly in the eyes, so basically he'd make his head move, so he'd basically get his attention. Right, right. Actually, you fake it. You could fake it as much and and and, and get the same effect from it. I would imagine the offensive lineman regarded it as in not quite the same light that you did. Oh no, <laughs> no, they hated it. They hated that you. I mean, they would come out in, in almost in a boxing stance where they were could could block could block your 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 left you know your left hook. It, it, I mean, it was funny. It, it, you, I got I got cussed at several times. <laughs> it did. Offensive lineman did not did not like that little maneuver. But I think the threat of it was even worse than the head slap because basically I think they were thinking, is he going to do it this time? Is he going to do it this time? And you had him, you got inside their head. Well, they, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why they, why they outlawed it because it, it's, well, the way that the league's going today is there's, there's a lot of reasons why. But uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why they, you know, they, they didn't want that to be a part of the game because it's. it's I mean, anytime, anytime you're you're in the pitch, you're going you're going to be bumping heads, no matter what. Did you ever do any talking? Because we had John Randall on last week, and he said he would do research on the offensive linemen, knew what their wife's or girlfriend's name was, where they went to college, all kinds of personal information to basically get inside their heads. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You uh, you, you try to get together as much personal information as you possibly can. Um, <clears throat> In fact, in fact, I have a cute story uh, on the same path there. We're, uh, we're playing the Raiders. Well, it must have been must have been seventy four, seventy five, and the uh, it's, it's in the in the middle of the first quarter. The Raiders have got the ball. We're on the field, and uh, <laughs> and Kenny Saber comes up the last scrimmage and he starts barking out, you know, orders here. And, and he turns, he turns, and I've already got my hand on the ground. I'm, I'm set to play. And he turns, he, and he goes, hey, Jack, Jack. I, and I turn and look at him, and he snaps the ball. <laughs> he just, he just wanted to you, you take my concentration off just enough. And sure enough, here it came. You know, they, they, they double team my, my fan in. And I'm going, the rotten, no good thing you <laughs> got me. <laughs> Your success came fairly quick. The season after uh, you replaced Deacon Jones, you find yourself an all-pro selection and uh, second team and all that good stuff. At what point did you realize, hey, I, I, I can really play this game on an elite level? I think it became, it became real in that third year. Um, the, the turmoil with with with, uh, with 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 Tommy Popo in that first two years, uh, I was I was fighting that battle as well as the battle on the field and the battle to play. It, it, but I think I think the re, the reality came in that third year uh, with Chuck Chuck Knox and um, we get we 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 I think we go we we run off six games. Six ball games with six no or something like that, and about the third or fourth fifth ball game, Merlin and I were talking about. It. He, he says we we've got we've got something going here. We can we can run out, but we have to continue to get better at what we're doing. So it, the reality really sunk 
again in, about, in, that, in that third year. With the Rams, you mentioned Fred Dreyer, Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen. They all went out to acting careers. You were the only one on the defensive line that didn't. Did you have any thoughts about becoming an actor like they did? Well, I, 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 I've tried a little bit of that. You know, I did some stuff during the off seasons, uh, uh, some, some uh, cameos. Uh, I was on television a couple, you know. So we did, um, we did when when we finally when we finally stepped down. I was I was going to the to the I was in the front office. Um, I had to, I had to call I had a call from uh, Billy Freakin and he off, he wanted me to be to be um, a character in, in his TV movies. So I went and did those two and um, did one 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 spring and the next and the other the next spring. But I had my I had my hand into it. I didn't like the, the undisciplined part of that. They're never on time, never on time, and and I, and I know you have to practice and you have to you have to rehearse and you do all that because that's that's all part of the you know the the sport game too. You have to you have to you know rehearse. Um, but the timing of, of of the things it took so long. It, it was never it was never sharp and. And to the minute, I mean, we, I was told, Chuck used to, used to, you know, he says, you're on my time. When I say 8 o'clock, I mean 7.55. Don't be late for anything. And that was kind of, that's not the, that's not the nature of that business. A lot of sitting around in, in the world of acting and, you know, hurry up yeah. and wait. A lot of it. A lot of it. And, and Freddie and, and, and Merlin both. I mean, they, they, they were natural at it. I wasn't natural at that. Um, Freddie, Freddie actually went to classes while, while we were playing during the, during the season. He would, I mean, he was looking forward to being, you know, an actor. So was Merlin. When Merlin was natural to be, you know, to be that, that, um, that commentator on the, on the, uh, <clears throat> for the ball games. And then, and then that turned into Father Murphy and, and all the other. Little house on the prairie. You're probably among your many accomplishments. Uh, I guess one of the more interesting is playing on a broken leg. How do you do that? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Not very well at all. That you know, I've, if there's if there's one thing about the career. Um, there are certain acknowledgments along the way that, that you that you kind of you kind of respect and you like about the aspect. I, it's not so much I don't like the fact that I did this, but it's but it seems like people always go back to the fact that I I I suffered through the agony to try and compete and to and to contribute to my football team. That's what it was all about. Was it, was it because I was this big, ugly, mean, you know, tough character? I wanted to compete, and if I could, if I could, I was going to contribute to the football team. And the, you know, the coaches, the coaches trusted in me enough that I, that I, I would not go out on that football field and be a detriment to the, to the team. If I couldn't play. And now I didn't play up to my level. I was I was probably twenty percent off, but um, which 
I reflect on to this day, and that maybe if I'd have, if circumstances been a, been different, we might have won Super Bowl fourteen. At least the Rams learned something. They didn't shoot your leg up like they did Joe Namath's arm in that game against the Bears, where he couldn't even throw the ball. Uh, you can't shoot a bone. Kind of, it's kind of hard to shoot a bone, especially when it's, when it's snapped like a pencil. Uh, yeah. No, we we uh, we we taped it up. We taped it up. I I, I took some took some Darvon and uh, went and played. You never know what some of these doctors back in the day. It seemed like they were shooting, giving the pain pills and everything to these players, basically. And the players didn't know what was going on because I remember hearing a story about Namath when he played the Bears in that game. He couldn't throw the ball because he had no feeling in the shoulder. Yeah, that was that was one of the situations where they didn't they didn't know how far how far the the, um, the Novocaine or Zatocaine or whatever they were using. They didn't they didn't really know how how far that was going to travel and what and what what happened they were trying to they were trying to relieve the, the inflammation on that on that older nerve and it it didn't it <laughs> I mean it was I was that was scary. We're in the we're in the locker room and I see him holding the ball and then he, he raises it up and it falls out of his hand and I'm going, Hmm, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Especially against that Bears defense back in that day. I mean, you had Jim Osborne, and you had some very talented guys there, and you know Buddy Ryan wasn't going to take it easy on him. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was going to be a long day for the defense. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. We'll be back for part two of the interview with Jack Youngblood right after this. 